Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about lung cancer and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash lung cancer or in the respiratory section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Lung cancer is the third most common cancer in the UK behind breast and prostate cancer. Smoking is a significant cause and around 80% of lung cancers are thought to be preventable by avoiding smoking. Let's talk about the histology. The histological types of lung cancer can broadly be divided into small cell lung cancer, which is about 20%, and non-small cell lung cancer, which represents about 80%. Non-small cell lung cancer can further be divided into adenocarcinoma, which is about 40% of total lung cancers, squamous cell carcinoma, which is about 20%, large cell carcinoma, which is around 10%, and other types which make up the remaining 10%. Small cell lung cancer cells contain neurosecretory granules, that release neuroendocrine hormones. Small cell lung cancer may be responsible for various paraneoplastic syndromes, which we're going to talk about in more detail later on. Mesothelioma is a lung malignancy affecting the mesothelial cells of the pleura, or the lining of the lungs. Mesothelioma is strongly linked to asbestos inhalation, There's a substantial latent period or a gap between exposure to asbestos and the development of mesothelioma, which can be up to 45 years. The prognosis of mesothelioma is very poor. Chemotherapy can improve survival, but the condition is essentially palliative. Let's talk about the presentation of lung cancer. The presenting features include shortness of breath, cough, hemoptysis, which is coughing up blood, finger clubbing, recurrent pneumonias or chest infections, weight loss and lymphadenopathy. Often the supraclavicular nodes above the clavicle are the first to be found on examination. Let's go through some extrapulmonary manifestations of lung cancer. Lung cancer is associated with a lot of extrapulmonary manifestations and paraneoplastic syndromes. And these are commonly tested in exams. These are linked to different types and distributions of lung cancer. And the exam questions commonly ask you to suggest the underlying cause of the paraneoplastic syndrome. Sometimes they can be the first evidence of lung cancer in an otherwise asymptomatic patient. Recurrent laryngeal nerve palsy presents with a hoarse voice and this is caused by a tumour pressing on or affecting the recurrent laryngeal nerve as it passes through the mediastinum. Phrenic nerve palsy due to nerve compression on the phrenic nerve causes diaphragm weakness and presents with shortness of breath. Superior vena cava obstruction is a complication of lung cancer and it's caused by direct tumour compression on the superior vena cava. And this presents with facial swelling, difficulty breathing, and distended neck and upper chest veins. Pemberton sign is where raising the hands above the head causes facial congestion and cyanosis, 
and is a sign of superior vena cava obstruction. Superior vena cava obstruction is a medical emergency. Horner's syndrome is a triad of partial ptosis or drooping of the eyelid, anhydrosis, which is an absence of sweating, and meiosis, which is where the pupil becomes smaller. It's worth remembering this triad of partial ptosis, anhydrosis, and meiosis. Horner syndrome can be caused by a pancoast tumour, which is a tumour in the pulmonary apex at the top of the lung, pressing on the sympathetic ganglion. The tumour interrupts the sympathetic nervous supply of the face. Syndrome of inappropriate ADH or SIADH can be caused by ectopic antidiuretic hormone secreted by a small cell lung cancer and this presents with hyponatremia or a low sodium. Cushing syndrome can be caused by ectopic ACTH or adrenocorticotropic hormone secreted by small cell lung cancer. Hypercalcemia or a raised calcium can be caused by ectopic parathyroid hormone secreted by squamous cell carcinomas. Limbic encephalitis is a paraneoplastic syndrome where small cell lung cancer causes the immune system to make antibodies to tissues in the brain, specifically the limbic system, causing inflammation in these areas. And this causes symptoms such as short-term memory impairment, hallucinations, confusion and seizures. And it's associated with anti-HU or HU antibodies. And finally, Lambert-Eaton myasthenic syndrome is caused by antibodies against small cell lung cancer cells. These antibodies also target and damage voltage-gated calcium channels cited on the presynaptic terminals in motor neurons. This leads to weakness, particularly in the proximal muscles, which are the muscles around the hips and around the shoulder. It can also affect the intraocular muscles, causing diplopia or double vision, the levator muscles in the eyelid, causing ptosis or drooping of the eyelid, and the pharyngeal muscles, causing slurred speech and dysphagia or difficulty swallowing. Patients may experience dry mouth, blurred vision, impotence and dizziness due to autonomic dysfunction. Next let's move on to the referral criteria. The NICE guidelines on suspected cancer updated in December 2021 recommend offering a chest x-ray carried out within two weeks to patients over the age of 40 with clubbing, lymphadenopathy, specifically supraclavicular lymphadenopathy or persistent abnormal cervical nodes in the neck, recurrent or persistent chest infections, a raised platelet count or thrombocytosis, and chest signs of lung cancer. A Tom tip for you. Remember two key examination findings that automatically indicate an urgent chest x-ray, which are finger clubbing and supraclavicular lymphadenopathy. These are quick things to check for and spotting them could lead to an early diagnosis potentially saving someone's life. 
NICE also recommend offering a chest x-ray to patients over 40 years of age who have two or more unexplained symptoms in a patient that has never smoked or one or more unexplained symptoms in patients that have ever been a smoker or had asbestos exposure. And these unexplained symptoms that the NICE guidelines list are a cough, shortness of breath, chest pain, fatigue, weight loss, or a loss of appetite. Another Tom tip for you, it's worth noting that this list of unexplained symptoms is quite vague. It's very common for patients to present with vague symptoms of fatigue or shortness of breath, and your first thought might not be of lung cancer. In a 50-year-old ex-smoker presenting feeling tired all the time with no other symptoms, these guidelines suggest considering an urgent chest x-ray to exclude lung cancer. Equally, someone that has never smoked presenting with weight loss and general fatigue would also qualify for a chest x-ray. This results in a low threshold for ordering an urgent chest x-ray. Next, let's talk about the investigations. A chest x-ray is the first-line investigation in someone with suspected lung cancer. The findings that suggest cancer include hilar enlargement, peripheral opacity or a visible lesion in the lung field, a pleural effusion, which is usually unilateral in cancer, and collapse of the lung tissue. A staging CT scan of the chest, abdomen and pelvis is used to assess the stage of the cancer, lymph node involvement and the presence of metastases. This should be contrast enhanced, which involves using an injected contrast to give more detailed information about the different tissues. A PET CT scan or positron emission tomography involves injecting a radioactive tracer which is usually attached to a glucose molecule, and taking images using a combination of a CT scanner and a gamma ray detector to visualize how metabolically active various tissues are. This helps identify metastases by highlighting areas of increased metabolic activity where the tissues are taking up more of the glucose with the radioactive tracer, shining brighter on the scan. Bronchoscopy with endobronchial ultrasound or EBUS, E-B-U-S, involves endoscopy with ultrasound equipment on the end of the scope and this allows detailed assessment of the tumour and ultrasound-guided biopsies. A biopsy is required to make a histological diagnosis and check the type of cells in the tumour. This can either be by bronchoscopy or a percutaneous biopsy through the skin. Next, let's talk about treatment options. All treatments are discussed at an MDT meeting involving various consultants and specialists such as pathologists, surgeons, oncologists and radiologists. This is to make a joint decision about the most suitable options for the individual patient. Surgery is offered first line in non-small cell lung cancer to patients with disease isolated to a single area. The intention is to completely remove the entire tumour and cure the cancer. We'll talk in more detail about surgery later on. 
Radiotherapy can also be curative in non-small cell lung cancer when it's diagnosed early. Chemotherapy can be offered in addition to surgery or radiotherapy in certain patients to improve outcomes, and this is called adjuvant chemotherapy when it's alongside other treatments. Chemotherapy can also be as palliative treatment to improve survival and quality of life in later stages of non-small cell lung cancer, and this is referred to as palliative chemotherapy. Small cell lung cancer is usually treated with chemotherapy and radiotherapy. The prognosis of small cell lung cancer is generally worse than non-small cell lung cancer. Endobronchial treatment with stents or debulking of the tumour can be used as part of palliative treatment to help relieve bronchial obstruction caused by the lung cancer tumour. Finally, let's talk in more detail about lung cancer surgery. There are several options for removing a lung tumour, and this could be a segmentectomy or a wedge resection, which involves removing a segment or wedge of the lung, and this is usually a portion of one lobe. A lobectomy, which involves removing the entire lung lobe containing the tumour, and this is the most common method and a pneumonectomy which involves removing an entire lung, either the left or the right lung. The types of surgery that can be used are a thoracotomy, which is open surgery with an incision and separation of the rib to access the thoracic cavity, video-assisted thoracoscopic surgery, or VATS, which is minimally invasive keyhole surgery, or robotic surgery. Minimally invasive surgery, meaning VATS or robotic surgery, is generally preferred as it has a faster recovery and fewer complications. There are three main thoracotomy incisions. Anterolateral thoracotomy involves an incision around the front and the side of the chest. An auxiliary thoracotomy involves an incision in the axilla or the armpit and a posterolateral thoracotomy involves an incision around the back and the side and this is the most common approach to the thorax. A final Tom tip for you, if you see a thoracotomy scar in your OSCE exams this indicates either a lobectomy, pneumonectomy or lung volume reduction surgery for COPD. A right-sided mini-thoracotomy incision in a cardiology station likely means minimally invasive mitral valve surgery. Absent breath sounds on an entire side of the chest indicates a pneumonectomy. If there are focal absent breath sounds, for example in the right lower zone, this suggests a lobectomy. Lobectomies and pneumonectomies are used to treat lung cancer. Previously, they were used to treat tuberculosis, so remember this in older patients. So thanks for listening to this episode on lung cancer. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like these podcast episodes, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon, where you get early access to the podcast episodes early access to the videos, as well as access to the Zero to Finals question bank 
and the flashcards in a digital format. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about pneumonia.